Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Perspectives, the show where a conversation about our differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condis Presley. If there's one thing that brings us together, it's music. A song can evoke a memory of a moment in time, an experience, or simply a feeling. And these moments live in our memories for a lifetime. Recently, artists including Johnny Gill, Cool in the Gang, Frankie Beverly and Mays, The Whispers, and The Commodores came together for the Saturday Night Old School Festival. And I had the pleasure of sitting down with one of those artists, one of the original Commodores, William King. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you. It is good to see you too, sir. I want to start out and go way, way back. When did you know that you guys were, you know, over there at Tuskegee, you liked to sing, you were going to be a group, and that you loved to entertain? You know, I think um, together, um, Basically, when we first started, I mean, we started in 1968, ooh, um, February of 1968, and uh, we were just, you know, just trying to just play music and meet girls. That that was about the size of it, and um, you know, it just progressed and progressed. And uh, but I don't think in the beginning, at any time, did we think we were going to make a living at it. You know, we each were in our respective uh, majors. Um, and uh, we're pursuing those, and uh, we're just enjoying and having a great time. And by the way, Tuskegee was just such a beautiful campus, and I had never seen so many beautiful ladies in my entire life, so I I I was in heaven the whole time. Was there ever a time when any of you guys actually put your degrees to use because you were, like you said, you wanted to play music and meet the ladies, and you've made a lifetime career out of it. Here we are, years later <laughs> you know I don't mind saying how many years but um, I, I'm the only one I think I um, uh, I left for a brief moment um, uh, a month or two um, I had a, a job at uh, digital computers in uh, Maynard Massachusetts and I went up there uh, to help them design a different you know, hardware and write software and, and things like that um, so but I, I knew once I got out there, that uh, that wasn't for me, and uh, I immediately returned and uh, uh, began, you know, again with the Commodores. When did you first pick up a guitar? Oh, that was much later in life. Um, uh, my my first instrument was a piano, uh, which was um, household. I mean, my my mother was a concert pianist. My my grandmother uh, was a musician. She also taught music. My father was a trumpet player. And so it was very difficult for me in the beginning because, you know, I really did not want to be that involved in music because it was every day, every day that I woke up that that piano was banging in my house, right? And so, and at some point I knew that they wanted me to bang on it too. So 
so it was like I wanted to play baseball, football, and basketball, right? You know, and so um, I was trying to get out the door. I was literally like had my glove and ball right next to the piano. And when my grandmother would walk out the door, I'd grab that bat and ball and pay out. I was out there doing it, uh, going to play some type of ball. So um, it started very early in my life. I played my first uh, gig uh, when I was 12 years old in a club. Uh, you know, I wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah, what were you doing in a club at the age of 12? I was playing my butt off. I was having such a great time. And by the way, uh, the first time I did that, when I got home, my grandmother whipped me like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> I bet she did. And you know what? And it wasn't because I went to play the music there. It's because I didn't tell her I was going. Hmm. Right? So I learned that lesson very early. And so from then on, I was... I was able to go back and play. She didn't mind. She was a musician herself. She understood. So uh, uh, that, that was never uh, in my way growing up. I could play anywhere as long as I let my grandmother know what I was doing. You guys got signed. I guess, I, I you know, when you read about y'all, it says that the Jackson 5 noticed mm -hmm. y'all. And then you ended up getting signed by Motown, which for Black music, is the holy grail tell me about that experience of getting signed uh, you know what uh we had a manager at the time named benny ashburn which we would never have have become the commodores that you know today without him he's passed away many many years ago but he had a young lady friend uh that had just gotten a job with motown and her name was suzanne DePass. And Suzanne DePaz, uh, later on in, 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 uh, in her career, became president of Motown uh, Pictures and Production and Movies. But anyway, at this time, she was only about 18 or 19 years old. So he had us come to New York from Tuskegee, 18 and a half hours driving in a van with uh, uh, four times, we call them Maypops, that could pop at any time. We had no spare. And we drove up there and she saw us do a show that was especially designed for her. And uh, after seeing that show, she went back and told Barry Gordon, you know, I think I got a group that you should see. And um, he said, well, you, I think you need to go back and, and look at them again and see if, you know, if, if, you, if you still feel the same way. She came back, we drove back up to New York from Tuskegee again uh, for her. She saw the show and, um, we, we would then ask if we would like to do uh, a tour with one of Motown's uh, major acts. And at the time she didn't tell us who it was, but you know, our answer was yes, we didn't care who it was, right? So uh, later we, we got a call from, from, from Motown asking us to come out uh, to meet Barry Gordy. And we went out there and next thing we knew, we were on a tour with the Jackson Five for two and a half years. That had to be an incredible experience. Oh, it was, I'll tell you what, up until that time, my favorite artist was Sammy Davis Jr., right? After seeing those boys on that stage, and I mean all of them, you know, uh, th that family was incredible. And, uh, and, and, we, and we all know the legend of, of Michael. And when Michael was, uh, would walk out on that stage, he was only maybe like 10 or 11, can't remember exactly, but. He probably weighed 75 pounds wet, right? 
But when he walked on that stage, he grew immediately 10 feet tall. He was just unbelievable. They all were. The routines, the dancing. So we learned a lot business-wise as well as performance-wise from watching uh, the Jackson 5 because they were total business as well. Um, it was an incredible learning experience for us. And I wish we could do it all over again because it was wonderful. Now, it couldn't have been all sunshine, butterflies, and rainbows. You guys came of age at a time that was pivotal in American history. That was time, at a time that was pivotal in our Black history and a time when music genuinely changed. And you guys were on the front lines of creating that change. That had to be hard at times. Well, you know, the thing is, is that you, you kind of don't notice that you are starting to fit in or you have something to say. You just have it. You know, uh, it, it's kind of like writing. Um, you just wake up in the middle of the night, in the morning, uh, and these things are going off in your head, right? They're just popping. And so you just try to jot them down. Um, I, I think for us, the most important thing was uh, we were trying to, trying to decide exactly what kind of music we wanted to do and how uh, we could reach that goal uh, that, that we had to set for ourselves. And so a lot of the times uh, we were just blindly walking through the forest. And as you go along, you know, you, 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 you hope to find a path. And, and we lucked out because one of the things that we did was uh, we were able to lock in on uh, a genre of music, which we, can, which we call ballads. And those ballads uh, uh, just, because we had so many in a row, uh, just, just put us right out there. But at the same time, we were still trying to do what we grew up with, which was a lot of mostly R&B. But hey, we had so many different types of genre in the group. Like for instance, Mylon Williams, the keyboard player, came from Oklahoma, Mississippi, okay? <laughs> now, now Mylon was all uh, R&B, and jazz, period, right? Just, that was mild. Uh, uh, Tommy was acid rock. Um, Ronald LaPrea was just pure funk. And uh, uh, Richie was uh, more like myself. The two of us were like more balanced type of music, uh, but yet pop at the same time. And then Clyde was big band, jazz. You know, he had more symbols than you could you could throw a stick at. And so uh, we were all over the place. So we just kind of like combined all of that like, like into this incredible suit, this, this, this incredible uh, 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 big bowl of music. Uh, and, and, and we were able to come out with arrangements that uh, luckily appealed to everybody. Because I don't care what anybody says. You know, when you, when you write a song, no matter how good you feel about the song, how much you think it's a hit, it's not a hit until it's a hit, okay? And I have seen a lot of songs that I thought, not ours in particular, but other people's songs that I heard, I thought, oh man, this is great. And you never hear from them again. So the bottom line for us was just walking through that forest, knocking the bushes aside, trying to find a path and just continuing on down that road. 
And it didn't hurt to have your your dear friend Lionel Richie as your lead singer either, did it? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I tell you, uh, Richie and I were roommates for many years on the road, right? Um, and you know, Richie's a very gentle soul. Um, I, I think that um, uh, one of the things about him was the, the way he could take a melody and massage it, right? I mean, for instance, if you listen to the, the song, Jesus is Love, mm. right? Okay, you know, the inflections, you know what I mean? The softness, but yet the little strength when he needs it, all of that comes down in a vocal for him, right? He knows, he, he, he has that mastered. Uh, and I tell you an incredible thing about that whole time uh, when, when, we, when we were first beginning, Richard was not a singer. No. He did not sing in the group. He only played saxophone. And he did not want to sing. We used to ask him to sing. You know, he said, no, I don't want to sing. The first song he ever sung solo was a song called Wichita Lyman by Glenn Campbell. I know that song. Right? Yes. And that song was one of the most requested songs uh, that we had in our repertoire. Once people heard it, they want to hear it back to back to back. Sometimes we had nights we played that song three times in a row. <laughs> Means people because really loved it. They loved that song. Uh, they just wanted to hear it. We start another song. They said, no, 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 play, you know. Uh, and Rich used to just stand there with his feet like they were nailed to the stage, right? Just, so we used to practice uh, in, in, in our little hotel rooms, uh, you know, with, with a brush or two, two, uh, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> anything you could hold in your hand, yeah. Anything you hold in his hand. Pretend the right? microphone, yeah. Yeah, pretend the microphone. Now go to the left, now go to the right, you know, pretend that you're looking at this person, but you're not really, but don't worry about it, just pretend. <laughs> so, so uh, it was a lot of that going on. So, uh, people don't realize that, you know, they think artists just appear and, you know, they become what they are, or they are what they are, what they see. And that's really not the case in most in most cases. No, there's work and there's rehearsal. I mean, that's you right. also choreographed the dance routines for the Oh dance. yeah. And that was that was torture. I gotta say. Torture. <laughs> that was torture because Richie and I were so involved in getting the getting the rest of the guys to doing the routine doing the routines. But you know, they were playing guitar and bass. Um and my was on keyboards. Miles, I'm, I'm on keyboards, man. I, 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 I can't do that. Uh, I got to keep my feet still. And uh, Ron's like, well, I can't play this. And that. Man, we would go into that rehearsal hall and they would just scream at us. And, but eventually, once they got it down, they thought it was the best thing they could do. As a matter of fact, one time we were getting ready to rehearse uh, a vocal in, in, in Brick House, and Ronald, the bass player, was sitting down and he, tried to, he was starting to play the bass part. And he said, wait a minute, he had to get up and do the routines. <laughs> <laughs> to get back to know what his part was. Yeah. <laughs> this from a guy who didn't want a routine at all. So it was it, it was rough at first, but in the but afterward, they loved it. Uh they were incredible. They 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 had such rhythm uh, and such pause, and they just knew what they, they were supposed to do, and they did it. Talk to me about playing before tens of thousands of screaming and adoring fans hanging on 
every single note. I tell you, um, the, the the one time that I remember, well, you know, we played before a lot of people. Uh, the largest crowd we ever played was, I believe, was in Europe, uh, right outside of Germany. I think it was like two hundred plus thousand people. You couldn't even see them all. You know, it was just they were just going over the hill. You know, just over the hill. So, um, but. Um, the first night we played Madison Square Garden and it was our show, right? Madison Square Garden, okay? And I forget whether we had two sold out or three sold out, but anyway, they were all, whatever number of shows we were doing, they were all sold out. And I remember that first night when we walked out on that stage, the roar from that crowd that went through me the sensation, that's when I knew we had made it, okay? I was out there on that stage and those people were so loud, you could not hear the music, you could not hear the music. And so um, I looked out there and it was just lights and people and screaming and it was just such a joy to be there, to feel that we have arrived. So it's, it's, a, it's a thrill that I, I, I only can prob probably match when I was delivering my children. You know what I mean? It's somewhere in that, in that area. I know people say, you can't compare the two. Well, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe but not. Once you know that you are that successful and you've got to bring it every night every show because that audience have scrimped and saved and put together their pennies to get a ticket to be there that has to be incredible pressure to make sure that you deliver for every audience every night and i'm gonna tell you something yeah, it is but you know what you can't do it because uh we've had so many hit songs until thank goodness that we can't do them all on stage Right? That's a nice so, problem to have. Yeah, thank you. Um, but I'll give you an example. There was this lady who drove wherever we were playing. She said, I drove for three and a half hours to see you guys. And you didn't play, it was a song back in, 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 the, in the 70s called The Bump, <laughs> right? And so she said, and you didn't play The Bump. And, I, and she was angry, okay? She had, she had spent her time to come to see us because she knew, for some reason, that song had a meaning in her life, right? See, that's the problem, a good problem, I guess, but that's the problem with songs. They affect people's lives. They are part of people's lives. So they take it personal, right? You better have every lyric right. You better have the melody right. They don't want to hear all this other stuff you, you created around it and through the years. They want to hear that song the way they heard it on the radio, basically, right? So, and she was literally, she broke through the crowd. We were leaving the stage and going down this little corridor and she went right past those little guards they had there and she grabbed me by the arm and she was screaming, screaming at me, but you didn't do the bump. You didn't do the bump. I spent three and a half hours driving here and you didn't do the bump. Lord have mercy, I felt so bad, I, I, you know. And so immediately in, in defense, I said, 
Well, it was his fault. You know, I was born. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm we meant to have it on the set list. We just, something happened. Yeah. And, and the truth is, when she was saying that, I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm not even sure I remember the chord to that. So it's been so long ago, right? So, you know, anyway, so I, I, I grabbed her by the arm and her husband was with her. And I told her, the security, I said, let her go with me. That's fine. Let her go. And I took her back to, 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 to the dressing area. And I said, you wait right here. And I went backstage and, and I, I, I told uh, Richie and uh, Ronald about it. And they, they came out and we all uh, started singing the song. Now, the problem was is that Richie didn't remember the lyrics. <laughs> but the good news was, Marlon, who wrote the song, did. So he came out and so we started singing the song and she started singing with us. So, you know what? I believe she felt a lot better because she actually got to sing the song, The Bump with the Commodores. She did. And she you did. guys, for as much as that song resonated in some way with her personally, the mm -hmm. moment that you guys created for her and her husband, performing it personally, yeah. I mean, that's, that's an experience money can't buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. You know, people take our songs and all songs, I believe, very personal because, you know, they, they, they relate to them through their own lives, through wonderful things, terrible things, you know, just life in general. And so when they hear those songs, those memories come flowing back to them, right? And so they want to relive them. I mean, you should see the people. Now, remember now, my, I'm 72, right? And Brickhouse came out in somewhere around 77, 78, somewhere along in there. People who were there during those times, when they come downstage, they are brick housing back. They are dancing like you have never seen before in your life, okay? I'm telling you, we are having the best time, okay? So, and it's all about something individual for each one of those people that are down there, okay? And so, and it's not, not just women, the guys, you know? They are down there, you know, they are dancing and just having the best time. Uh, I was recently at a wedding and, um, um, they were playing music, playing music. And all of a sudden, I guess because I was there, they stuck Brick House on. And everybody in that, uh, who was there, jumped up out of those seats and hit the floor and started dancing to it. You know? So again, an, an incredible feeling, right? So, uh, but yeah, the music is, is it relates in some way to everybody. William King, it has been a true delight to spend a little bit of time with you this morning. Of all of the hits, I, I, I hesitate to ask, but are there one or two that really resonate with you personally, not necessarily favorites, but that you super enjoy performing? Um, you know, it's, it's tough because they all are like our children. I know you hear that all the time, but they really are because there's so, there's so much put into those songs, arrangement, performing, uh, a, a recording, you know, if I, I, you know, Brickhouse is, 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 is one of those songs, uh, Lady Bring Me Up, yeah. um, Night Shift, oh. Night Shift, because that, that's when Richie had left the group 
Uh, we were, uh, you know, a lot of us was devastated by it. Um, you know, we were, we were actually trying to not only get the group, keep the group going, but to, in our own minds, our own mentality, you know, we, we were trying to keep ourselves at a, at a, at a, at a you know, moving, moving right along. And so we went into the studio and recorded that song. And when that song came out, it went bam, right up the charts. Uh, and it actually uh, revived us. So, so maybe a nice shift. And you knew you guys knew that you were going to be just fine. William King, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. All right. God bless. You too. Bye-bye. Up next, HBCUs are seeing an increase in applications and a greater appreciation of the HBCU experience. What one major corporation is doing in partnership with the HBCUs in Atlanta to level the playing field for opportunities in tech. This is Perspectives. Perspectives is a community and public affairs program produced with you in mind. If there's a guest or an issue you'd like to hear me explore, I'd hope you'd let me know. The easiest way to connect with me is on social media. Just slip me a DM or send me a message. Search Condus Presley on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And yeah, I know you're asking, how do you spell Condus? C-O-N-D-A-C-E. And Presley has two S's. That's P-R-E-S-S-L-E-Y. Friends, I appreciate your listening. Be sure to listen again next week at the same time as we explore new perspectives. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.